Hey, everybody, we are back. And guess what? That show we've been hyping you up for for a bit is finally here. We talked about a very special guest that we were going to bring to the show. And then this guy got sick. But we are here with the legendary Zach Oat from Diamond Select Toys. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. Hope you're doing oh, well. Hey, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. But uh, for those that are new to the show, my name is Benny Rose. I am your host. And with me is always the super magical Tyler Nethers. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> so today is a unique kind of casual variety show. We are going to speak a bit more about collectibles and toys and such. But we want to talk about us people and, you know, nerds and what we're into and how we like to have fun with stuff and, you know, still have it be part of our jobs in a sense. So uh, I'll just take a quick moment and just let everybody know how I met uh, Zach uh, from GamingAge.com. I traditionally, as I mentioned, we do written reviews, we do uh, product impressions, things like that. I have done show coverage as well. And uh, back in 2018, I uh, was at the New York uh, Toy Fair and I actually was recent. Uh, I had recently had to get emails from uh, Zach about, you know, some products that were coming out and we were able to make it a scheduled appointment. We met in person. We kind of just connected right there. We were talking about video games. And at the time, if you remember, Zach, it was all about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. You guys were you guys were deep diving into the Kingdom Hearts license and uh, you had all the awesome figures, which actually unfortunately can't see, but they are hidden behind me under there. Excellent. And uh, yeah, you know, from there, we just we connected. We I did some coverage with that. And over the years, you know, we've uh, connected show to show and the show has gotten a little weird in a sense because the pandemic came and shows were getting delayed, having to wear masks. Um, some people weren't showing up for the shows. And now this year, the show didn't happen. We just had February. It didn't happen. As far as I understand, it's happening at the end of the year. Uh, did you hear about that? Yeah, we're going to be doing the show in, uh, I think, the late September. Uh, so I think it's like a week or two before New York Comic Con, which is going to happen at the beginning of October. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that? I think that's a little strange, you know, to um, in the same building too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. You don't have to move at all. Um, if, um, you know, if it, if it was the same booth every time, then it would be probably a good thing, but we have two different booths that we use for those two different shows. They're very different shows for us. Um, right. so we're gonna have to unpack everything up and then, and then, uh, unpack it again two weeks later. I don't mind doing it. It's fun. Um, we might even have some, you know, different stuff we'll have at the different shows, but, um, uh, you know, it's uh, I feel bad for the people who have to come up from the home office from Maryland. Uh, I work in uh, from home in New York State, uh, just not too far north of the city. So it's not a big deal for me to go down there, you know, two weekends in a row. But um, well, two weeks in a row, I'm usually there for the whole week uh, just right. for setup and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I feel bad for the people who have to travel. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but uh, but no, I'm, uh, you know, I get them both knocked out at the same time. And also, um there was always weather problems in February. There's always like a snowstorm or there wouldn't have been one this year, but uh, there would have been one. There's usually been like a snowstorm or, um, you know, some sort of, some sort it of always ends up being really, yeah. really windy. Like yeah, the last windy. several years, <laughs> I've noticed that like walking across the street, I'm just getting blown away. Like, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. No, and like, you know, if, if, if you get a good storm, you can get a snow drift. That's like, you know, a few feet deep, especially when they're pushing the snow around. So right. um, it's tough. It's tough to move around. 
Um, and back in the day, Toy Toy Fair used to be in um, a bunch of different buildings in the middle of the city. Now it's all at the convention center on the edge of town, so it's not as bad. But getting right. from like building to building back in the day was uh, was a pain in the neck. But September is nice. September is nice. Yeah. No. So I, I mean, I, I think that's a unique take. I was just concerned as far as you know, you figuring it's a lot of time to, you know, because traditionally the Toy Fair, for those that are not familiar, it's not open to the public. You know, it is meant for people within the industry to learn about the products, but it's also the opportunity for companies like Diamond to actually work with the the retailers and show them what's available so they can actually place those orders. Um, The reason I know that actually is because when I was a kid, uh, for those that aren't familiar, my father had a comic book store when I was growing up. So I was around this stuff my whole life. And I remember my dad being like, Hey, you know, this weekend I'm going to, uh, you know, Javits or wherever I'm going to the, tr- the toy show. Oh, I want to go. No, no kids. How are you going to go to, how are you going to go to a toy fair and you can't take kids? And I never understood that. And then, you know, my mom would explain, it's just, Hey, it's business business. And he would get all the solicits. And I remember he'd come home with all these books and these pamphlets and, you know, everything that, uh, you know, funny enough, we worked with diamond distributors, you know, like I remember, driving to the warehouses in Brooklyn um, to pick up comics every week and, you know, models and whatever, you know, he was deciding to pick up for that week. And then there was the years of toy biz when toy biz first put out the Marvel figures. My dad was one of the first stores in New York to sell them. So it was like a really big deal. And uh, yeah. So, you know, seeing the toy fair become what it is now, you know, it's a little, I would say it's a little more accessible than it used to. Because I feel like uh, some of the companies do post stuff so on the social media side, so it's not as behind closed doors. But um, you know, obviously, the thought process is you have New York Comic Con, which some stuff is held for, you know, reveals and things like that. Um, how do you feel that that would be, be like a balance act of, you know, do you wait to reveal things at the toy fair and then you would reveal other things? at New York Comic-Con, you know what I mean? Whether it be an exclusive, things like that. Because I know you guys do that for shows too. Um, Yeah, you know, after I said it, I'm like, well, what would we show at New York Toy Fair that we wouldn't show at New York Comic-Con? And I can imagine there would be some like um, web exclusives. Like if we had something for one of our websites that we wouldn't weren't offering to retailers, we wouldn't show that at, at Toy Fair, obviously. Um, and if there were any exclusives that we knew were happening for certain retailers that they didn't mind us showing at New York Comic-Con, Usually we let them decide the release uh, time for that info, um, but uh, right. it's possible we might show something there. Um, and something just might get finished, you know, in the week between uh, New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. It's, um, you know, it's it happens. That, you know, we'll, we'll sh- we will try to build up a lot of, uh, save really big announcements for New York Toy Fair. Um, we don't usually do big announcements at like, yeah, we'll do. We might do a big announcement like before San Diego Comic Con or something like that. New York Comic Con, we don't usually save anything real big for, but it's you know it's kind of an odd time. Um, right. But uh, for for Toy Fair, we'll announce big licenses there, and then uh, maybe we'll have you know we'll we'll, we'll show them at New York Toy Comic Con this year. Um, but uh, it's um it's a lot of stuff, and st- when the minute stuff gets comes in, we tend to put it into the catalog pretty much right away, unless we're spracing it out like we have too many. Um, you know, we don't want to list a whole bunch of Marvel galleries right right at the same time. So we'll space them out one one a month for a while. But um, uh, if so, if something comes in, uh, we might not have it. Might not just might not make it in time for New York Toy Fair, and then we'll have it at New York Comic Con. No, that makes sense. That works. Cool. Yeah, because I mean, 
I'm going to be that guy, you know, since we are talking about Diamond and, you know, a lot of you have seen my coverage with uh, the Diamond Select Marvel Select figures and things like that. But Diamond's known for a lot of other brands and licensing, too, which is really important. And Tyler and I are movie buffs as well. So, you know, I thought I'd share some of the stuff that's in my collection um, that has been made by by the company. And uh, one of them happens to be ex an exclusive where we're talking about, you know, sometimes events you guys will have something that's exclusive, uh, you know, for shows and things like that. And uh, I, I'm a sucker for anything that's kind of like VHS uh, themed. <laughs> and in and anything case, that's Power Rangers. <laughs> well, that too. You already know that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's just cool the, the diversity that um, the company has when it comes to the different styles. You know, you have um, all the different statues and things like that. But Tyler, I don't know if you've ever seen these. I figured you might appreciate these. These are like oh, some nice. of my favorites. It's literally like an old school clamshell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. So, um, but my number one probably favorite is going to be right here. Because nice. I am a I am a Rocketeer sucker. I have uh funny enough, I have a Rocketeer from my father's store. One second. This is uh from my childhood. Old nice. school, original, like it's like a rubber eyes figure. And uh yeah, I mean, this goes back to like my dad's store. I remember it would just be on like on a shelf in the store, and one day he's just like, "You're staring at it. Just take it home," <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. So, uh, but yeah, I just um, I wanted to share that because again, you you have a wide plethora of product and um, licensing. Yeah, I see, I see a John Wick back there behind you. Yes, and that's I believe that's one of those uh, the cases as well. It's like a movie clamshell, right? Zach? Yeah, yeah, we did them for, I have a lot of them. I got the John Wick. Uh, we did a Bruce Lee. Uh, we did a couple for Cobra Kai. Um, I got the Rocketeer up there. Uh, yeah, there's a couple more that I, I don't have the Tron one, which was the first one we did. And we did, oh, we did right, like, the, right. Tron, the special version of Tron where he's like black. San Diego like, Comic Con, right? Lights. Yeah, yeah, we did that for San Diego. That's the one VHS I don't have. But I think I have all the rest. Of them. Um, uh, we're going to do some more, too. We have a bunch more in the works. Um, oh, so, um uh, I think we did some with Walmart uh, and we're going to do some more with Walmart. Um, okay. So that'll be cool. So let me ask you when it comes to licenses, when it comes to the movie side, obviously, is there any licensed brand that you'd love to work with to create something like that uh, with a clamshell, like for a particular movie? Oh, well, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if you remember, we started doing something recently with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, oh, we're doing action one of my figures. favorites action figures we're doing uh, gallery dioramas um yes. and i'm hoping i'm hoping we'll have to do a vhs at some point of that i haven't seen any specific plans but i'm hoping that that'll happen uh sooner rather than later because that would just be really cool uh, i'm a big fan and i love vhs i've got vhs like real vhs in my office uh that uh, i i need to replace my vcr but uh, i still enjoy watching movies on vhs and whenever i see one that i haven't ever seen before like a movie right. I've never seen. I'm like, what is this movie? I don't even know what this is. If I see it on VHS, I'll pick it up. And uh, and I'm, I'm a little paralyzed now because I don't have my VCR, but I, I got to go down to Goodwill and see if I can find another one. Awesome. That's I'm the same cool. way. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I just found an old, another action guy that I love. I'm a diehard Arnold guy. Van Damme is right there. 
I love Dolph Lundgren as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker for Dolph Lundgren. And I found a movie that I never heard of before. Somebody posted on Facebook. It goes by like two different names. Um, it, it, when you buy it digital, it's called Dark Angel. But when you watch the movie, the title comes up. I come in peace. Oh, yeah, that's a good I'm, one. I'm like, this movie's awesome. It is so like, you know, it's literally that good cop, bad cop thing. But then you have like this weird alien guy that's kind of just blasting everybody out. And he's just <laughs> trying to solve a crime. And his partner was killed. You know, the traditional 80s trope. But it's got the music. It's got the action. This guy is using CDs as his weapons. So he's like <laughs> throwing discs out. And it's just it's so crazy and wacky. But like, I'm such a sucker for that stuff. But um yeah, I, I would I would love to see you know guys like that get that VHS treatment. That's really cool. Yeah, but, we've uh, been doing them back in the day. That we did a Dolph Lundgren figure for um, for Expendables. Uh, yes, so yeah, I, that's I, awesome. I, I've, been, I've been playing with that recently. So um, we did him, Sly, and uh, Terry Crews. Uh, we did the three of them, and uh, no, it uh, it would have been really cool to do a VHS for him. Uh, I every time I go to the Dollar Tree, I see uh, uh, one dollar twenty five cent DVD of the four four great. Dolph Lundgren films, which I've never heard of any of them, but uh, I definitely <laughs> want to get it and watch all of them. Well, that's like when you get the Brandon Lee movies, you always used to find them in the dollar store and it'd be Laser Mission. It'd be oh, like Laser two Mission. movies that they're the exact same name, but it's like two different it's <laughs> one movie. But uh, I love the movie with Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren too. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Uh, Showdown, Showdown in Little Tokyo. That's I don't think one. I've ever seen that one. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that one. Yeah, that one's a lot of fun. I mean, that's that's Dolph Lundgren like in his like beefy prime. So he's like this. He's, uh, he's still pretty freaking beefy. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He's but a I'm big saying dude, like, man, like it was like they put a very big focus on, you know, him being this big dude. And it's like he it's funny. Their lifestyles are opposite. So Brandon Lee is born in the U.S., you know, and he's not really, tra you know, traditionally taught anything with Japanese. But then Dolph Lundgren's born and raised in Japan and is like a samurai war here, you know, and he's <laughs> teaching him the ways. It's just hilarious. But then it also has um, the guy that played Shang Tsung in the original Mortal Kombat. He's the villain. And oh, it's, nice. uh, you know, it's kind of like the Yakuza type thing. And it's one of my all time favorites. I, I can go back and watch it any day. And that's when I think about like, anytime I see those, those clamshells, I'm like, in my world, these certain movies would just be like awesome on the wall. You know what I mean? And Dolph Lundgren is one of those, like he's one of the, I don't want to say he's an unsung hero, but when you think about him, I feel like a lot more people think about him more current than his older stuff. And damn, you're always going to think blood sport, you know, and uh universal soldier and every other movie under the sun that he's done, you know, with the same thing. Oh, his sister was killed and he's got to seek vengeance or he's got to go do a dirty fight club kind of montage Lionheart. I'm a sucker for Lionheart. So awesome. Awesome. But uh, Tyler, is there uh, any movies that you feel that you'd like appreciate seeing something like that, like in an action figure form? I don't know, man. So I, I have like, uh, or I used to have like a lot of Dragon Ball Z figures and anime figures and like a couple of video game figures. But outside of that, I really, I, you know, I'm not a huge collector of toys and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So right. I, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't know what, where to even start with something like that. Um, but I did want to ask Zach, like, 
how long have you worked for Diamond Select? And how did how did that kind of get started for you? Did you work at other companies before or you just kind of started and, and shot up from the ground uh, with Diamond? Uh, sure. One Before I stay and start on that, um, you know, the, the anime culture is so big based in VHS. I mean, back in the day, it was all VHS, you know, to get to get um, any anime from Japan it was all dubbed or subbed, you know, um, VHS tape. So it would be I haven't seen a lot of companies do any anime figures in VHS. That would Astro be pretty Boy. cool. Astro that Boy, would be please. really cool. Yeah. Astro yeah. Boy. But even even Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other one, you know, any of those classic, you know, Macross. Movies air. Macross. Robotech, yeah. Yeah. Um, Akira. Um, Akira would be yeah. cool. Oh my god, that'd be fantastic! I'd love to see a whole line of anime VHS uh, figures. Although at this point, maybe the people who remember that uh, are starting to get uh, old, like me, and maybe, but I, they're probably still collecting it. <laughs> I would um, think so. <laughs> but as far as how I got started at Diamond, I worked. Um, I out of out of college, pretty much. I worked at a little tiny toy company for that uh, a friend of my father's ran, um, and he, my dad, actually went to a toy fair like your dad. He went to a toy fair back in uh, 1986, and he. I so one of my prized possessions was a 1986 New York Toy Fair Hasbro catalog, uh, which had all the great stuff. In it. Um, I was a big GI Joe and Transformers kid, and um, uh, so I got a job worked at that little toy company, and then I that was just for the summer, and then I got a job at Toy Fair Magazine. Um, which was uh, published by the people who did Wizard Magazine. And um, I worked there for about eight or nine years. And uh, I got to know a lot of people at the different toy companies. Um, you know, they got to know me. Uh, you know, we were one of maybe three toy magazines out there. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it was kind of a unique position to be in. Um, you know, their websites were still getting started up around that time. This was between 1999 and 2008. Um so um, I got to know the guys at DST, and uh, and after I left the magazine, uh, magazine went under. Um, but I worked uh, doing movie reviews for about three years for a site called Television Without Pity, and uh, but I missed toys. And when I heard they had an opening, um, I applied for it. And they they knew me, and they knew that I you know knew how to write about toys, and that I knew the product, I knew the the licenses, and um, and they gave me a shot. And I've been here for uh, going on twelve years. Awesome. So. Um, yeah, I, I consider myself very lucky to have had all the jobs that I've had. I've kind of lucked into one after another, from the toy company to Toy Fair to Television Without Pity, where I worked for three years, uh, to here. And it's just, um, it's uh, I, I, uh, I've been very lucky. I'll say that. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So let me ask, in the day in the life, when work's not happening, what do you do for fun? <laughs> um well i got three kids uh so um i'm usually taking them with me wherever i'm going um but uh you know i, I like going to uh, used bookstores and thrift shops and finding old treasures um uh, uh i like finding old toys on the pegs um but um I, there are some store toy stores i like to go to there's one up in pauling new york that i go to called uh imperial castle which is a really great store um and the guy who runs is real nice but he's it's it's mostly vintage but it's got a lot of, um, you know, current, you know, G.I. Joe and Marvel Legends and stuff like that. Um, and uh, then at night, uh, after I'm done with work and after the kids are on bed, I, uh, I go out on my porch. And I take pictures of toys. Uh, so I have fun doing that. Uh, I post them on my Instagram. Sometimes I'll post a video on TikTok. I started to try to do more on YouTube. I've had a YouTube channel for, you know, over a decade, um, but I've never really done very much with it. So I'm trying to start to post at least shorts up there and see if I can get something going. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, 
it's a uh, you've got a you've got a kid yourself. So when you know when you have kids, it uh, your free time gets less and less and less. Uh, but uh, I try to watch movies whenever I can. Um, you know, when I'm putting the kids to bed, I'll pop one in the in my computer and watch it there. Or um, or if um I can actually actually stay up with my older daughter and watch something with him. You know, she she's into the horror movies. We just started watching The Purge, uh, which uh, nice. she's uh, she she's already seen sequels of The Purge, but uh, she hadn't seen the first one. So we started watching that last night. Um, I tried to show her Hellboy. I don't think she really got into it, but Hellboy is <laughs> one of my favorites. Hellboy's fantastic. Yeah. Did you see that they're uh, they're doing another movie now? We're doing we're getting a third yeah. now. Yeah, with Mike Mignola is going to um, be involved in writing it, I guess, um, yeah. which is great. Uh, really yeah. great. Uh, the, the last one was okay. The first two I love. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I'm very excited to see what they do the, the fourth time. Yeah, I think I, I still feel like that's a property that has a lot of potential. There is so much material and so many places that they could take it. And I think oh, yeah. Del Toro did a fantastic job bringing that world to life while also grounding it. You know, his his reliance on practical effects and people in costumes. And I am not an anti CGI guy at all, but how much of it he managed to put so it didn't feel comic booky. Not that, again, that's a bad thing, but you look at you look at something like Del Toro's Hellboy and something like the the current slate of Marvel movies and it's night and day difference. Like, I can't imagine living in the world that Ant-Man lives in, but I can watch Hellboy and be like, yeah. I can see that. I can see that being a thing because it's so grounded, but also so fantastical. So I really hope they kind of they kind of steer back towards, you know, the magic of the first two movies. Yeah. And the one thing they haven't really touched on with the movies yet is how long he's been alive and all the stuff that's happened to him over the course of the years. I mean, I just was doing some catch up on some books that I, I probably have read, but I wanted to reread them, but also some, some volumes that I hadn't really gotten to because I've been out of, I've been in and out of comics for a while. Um, but um, you know, he's, he was doing stuff in the sixties and the eighties and stuff like that. That was very, you know, very different, you know, each he's gone on all these very different adventures, like the one where he was at the bottom of the ocean and the one where he was, you know, don't, don't sass me. I'm drinking. I've been drinking with skeletons, you know, the great lines of dialogue that just need to be put on film because they're so fantastic. Yeah. The f battles with sea serpents and um, just giant, giant uh, space monsters. Just uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to cover and also wrestling in Mexico. Of course, we need to do that. <laughs> well, actually they did that. They did that in the last one. That was the best thing about it. They did the wrestling in Mexico thing. But yep. I want to see more of that because they, he was hunting, he was hunting vampires the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, they definitely need to, like I said, there's just so much that can be done uh, in the right hands. They could really take that and, and go somewhere with it. So I would love to see, I would love to see more as they go forward. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to my daughter being old enough. She's she's not quite there yet. Um, and she's my oldest. I have, I have three as well. I've got a daughter and two sons. Um, oh, nice. And my Me my too. oldest is not quite old enough to start getting into anything too scary, but pretty close <laughs> and she'll be the first one itching for it she goes out every morning to the bus stop and she's picking up slugs and snails and playing with them she's like i don't know why i like all these nasty bugs i just think they're cool <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yep we got it uh that's nothing nothing like the love of hoping that your kids like something that you like mm -hmm. and you know as much as i want my kid to to be a marvel guy you know he had that little itch for a bit He's into his own thing, Zach. My kid is into Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> oh yeah, my daughter. He's too. Uh, six years old, knows <laughs> the stuff better than most adults. Kid knows the lore. 
sitting there with me yesterday. We're both explaining to my wife who Springtrap is, like why it's, you know, like literally the bite of 87. Like I, I'm going to confuse you guys, but like <laughs> literally my wife's like the bite of it. Sanders like the bite of 87 is with this Fred bear. And I'm like, all right, it's impressive. I'm like, <laughs> this stuff doesn't scare you. He's like, no, you know, but then we have, we have a party at Chuck E. Cheese and he's freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but you like Freddie. You like kids you like- are weird, man. It, yeah. <laughs> they, they assign their own values to stuff stuff that we would look at and be like, okay, that seems like you wouldn't like this, but they do. And then you try to look at it and go, okay, well, rationally, you would then like these things. And they're like, oh, no, absolutely not. It's it's so funny watching watching how they work, um, especially amongst each other and like trying to trying to show off to each other and be like, oh, well, this I the, I wasn't scared by this. And I think you would be scared if you tried to watch this. And then the younger ones are like, no, I want to watch it right now. And I'm not scared, but they're sitting there like this the whole time. <laughs> I'm like no, it's not scary. My son, so my my youngest son, um, is he's only three, and good parenting, bad parenting. We watched the first Jurassic Park the other day, and his favorite part of the movie is when the cow gets dropped down into the raptor pit and comes back up <laughs> with no cow. He's like, oh, they ate the cow. <laughs> that and the lawyer getting eaten on the toilet are his two favorite scenes in the whole movie. Like, of course, man, absolutely. Yeah. You you picked interesting things to to take from this. <laughs> I mean, listen, my kid's obsessed with Home Alone now because of my wife. They they watched it all holiday season, and you know, all he talks about is like all the little, you know, oh, he gets shot in the balls, <laughs> you know, he got electrocuted, <laughs> or he gets hit in the head with something, and it's just like the kid is always just reciting these the weird lines in the movie, like the gibberish when he's like about to hit him with something, he's like. <laughs> Like my kid just does that and it's just hilarious. I'm like, what about the movie? He's like, no, the movie's good. He's like, this guy is just the best. Yeah. And he just loves the wacky, you know, nuances that these guys do, but it's the violence. So I'm like, all right, he likes, he likes this, this dark stuff. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. And he's, yeah. he's, he's itching for this Freddy movie that's coming out from Blumhouse. So like every time I find something online, they're like, Oh, animatronic scene outside of the, the set. He's like, let me see, let me see. Oh, he's like, that's Golden Freddy. So it's 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 cool, man. That's that's you know you're doing your dadhood right, right? When your kid can appreciate something that's in our realm. So yeah, that's so, awesome. Zach, are you like the coolest dad ever? Like, do your kids just think this is my dad gets to you know work with toys? Like, is that the coolest thing in the world to them, or is that just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh i don't think they brag about it to their friends or anything like that but they um they definitely like when i bring home stuff um you know every now and then i'll get a box sent from the home office with stuff in it and they'll be like what is it what is it what is it and they um they like that i collect toys more than that i actually you know work for the company i think so like they're always saying oh can i play with this can i play with your wrestlers for a little while so they were they were using my new sammy Guevara figure and, and going crazy with it and i'm like don't scratch the paint don't scratch his face i want to take some pictures of it later and uh uh, you know, they, my sons, they share a room, but they've got like a ton of our Marvel gallery dioramas up there. So like Captain Carter and Dr. Strange and stuff like that, Hawkeye. Um, so they like this stuff uh, and they have a lot of toys of their own, but um, but they're not really into action figures like I'm into action figures. So, yeah, um, it's uh, but so they, they'll borrow them and then they'll kind of get bored and give them back. I got them into mini mates for a while too, our little two inch figures. Um, mm-hmm. And they uh, they went crazy. They They played with all of them. They took them all apart. They didn't put them all. They put them all back together wrong. 
And now I've got a whole like bags and bags and bags that they don't play with anymore. Just mini mates that are totally mixed up and I could never possibly reassemble. Yep. And I'm like, ah, oh, all right. I, asked for that. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what my kid does with the Freddy figures. Cause all the Freddy figures come apart. She's got one box of just torsos and heads. And then the other box is just limbs. And I look at it and I'm just <laughs> like, he's like, no, I'll put it all. And he, he builds them. And we're talking like hundred figures. And I'm just like, yikes, I'm okay. That's a little nauseating for me. It just, lo- it looks like that's got to be sold or getting, you know, like you just, you give up on that when you see that pile of mixed, it's like Legos, you mix it, legs, Legos, you just, that's it. It's the end of it. Yeah. So do you have like a, like a favorite? I mean, I assume it's probably hard to pick a favorite line that you guys do, but do you have a personal favorite brand or, or line of toys that, that diamond produces? Um, brand, uh, I really do like GI Joe. Um, I like Jean-Claude Van Damme, but the GI Joe is uh, what I grew up on the real American hero eighties GI Joe. Um, and so we're doing, um, we're doing mini mates based on it. We're doing gallery diorama sculptures based on it. And we're doing, um, busts. These really nice busts, half scale, like 10 inch tall busts. Um, so I really dig the GI Joe as far as the products that we do, like busts, action figures, statues, um, I really love mini mates, uh, which are the two inch figures I mentioned. Um, I've got them all over my office, but like they're, they're fully interchangeable, fully posable. They're like, they have like 14 points of articulation. Okay. Um, and, uh, you can take them all apart. You can switch all the parts. Um, we don't market that as strongly for some lines as we do for others, but, uh, you can definitely switch them around and they usually come with interchangeable pieces. So you can, um, you know, have different heads, different hair pieces, things like that. Um, but they're a lot of fun and they, we've been making them for 20 years. I think 21 years this year, if you count the first year where they were all a little bit bigger and we hadn't started the Marvel line yet. The Marvel line has been going for 20 years this year. Um, and uh, uh, they're a lot of fun. And the number of licenses we've done for them, we did Expendables. We did um, uh, Gotham, the TV series. We've done uh, Fistful of Dollars, um, uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. We did uh, a lot of different movies uh, as mini-mates. And um, Platoon. Uh, tons and tons and tons of, of mini mates. There's thousands of them out there. Um, so anything you're interested in, there's probably a mini mate for it. Um, but I, I could talk about it forever because they're a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I, I'd like to hint a license if uh, you want to keep that consideration. The movie The Last Dragon. It really needs some type of action figure, even a mini mate. We need a show enough. We need a Bruce Leroy. Oh, Make absolutely. <laughs> no, like, I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been anything for it yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing my Eddie Arcadian shirt right now, so oh, nice. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one in forever, but it's definitely something that um, you would think somebody would have done something for. You know, like um, Big Trouble in Little China had action figures, like one series of action figures. Yes. Uh, and they were they were okay. They weren't very posable. They were very posed, static action figures. But um, that's the line that just needs a deluxe treatment. It really needs to be done right yeah. it needs to be it needs a it's really good characters deluxe. yeah great characters great designs um you just need to be able to pose them you know i'm sure that likeness negotiation for a lot of that is probably tough because a lot of those yeah. movies if they aren't if they don't have that built in then you got to go and you got to get everybody to approve it and um yeah it's imagine it's real tough yeah yeah i mean we've we've had problems with with likeness approval you know in the past where it's like you know we we want to make these products but you know getting getting them approved is is you know could be very difficult um but um 
you know, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job with what we've done. Um, and there've been some we haven't been able to do, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we do our best with what we have. No, it definitely shows. And, uh, we appreciate all that you guys bring out there. And again, there's a lot of variety, a lot of diversity for a variety of collectors. So it's not just one thing. You know, I feel like some companies take a focus on one product, they swing with it, you know, and then they'll expand a little bit, but you guys have a good amount of variety and, you know, just comparison from, from the sense of statues and dioramas to mini mates that are, you know, I would say in the realm of like Legos in the sense of, you know, like uh, yeah. having a wide collection and variety. And then you have your action figures like the Marvel legend, uh, the Marvel selects. So the one question I did want to ask you about them is, you know, over the last uh, pieces of content I've covered, I was a special guest on a uh, different podcast called never enough toys. And we talked a lot about the history of, of the Marvel select figures and, you know, not somebody that has always been collecting them, but has seen them for years and seen them, in my opinion, evolve as far as the styling and the designing. Like, what's your thought process as far as, you know, it seems like the figures were very diorama statuesque designed originally. And it seems like we're getting a little more articulation as the newer figures have been getting released. And for me, I've, as you know, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, like stuff like Apocalypse, seeing just how accurate he is in the sense of scale and um, articulation. But, you know, we can go back to some of the older figures, you know, let's just say Juggernaut, for example, big menacing Hulk of plastic, not the greatest with articulation, but it seems like the focus is more on the, the, the visual design more on the, uh, the movement aesthetics. Like uh, what would you say your thoughts, anything on that? Like, was there a process that you feel that we were at and then trying to go in a different direction now? Well, Juggernaut's a tricky one because he is so bulky and like, you know, even if we said, Oh, let's give this guy 16 points of articulation, 20 points. We usually try to aim for 16. Even if we said, let's give him 24, how, you know, how movable would he really have been with, you know, big thick arms and the big thick legs, the stubby legs. Um, but, but mostly we start with a price point. I mean, we start with saying this needs to be a 29.99 figure. And at one point it was a 19.99 figure. At another point it was right. a 24.99 figure, but now it's a 29.99 figure. And it's like back in the day. And also costs have risen. In addition to the prices rising, costs have risen. So back in the day, you could make an action figure and then put this elaborate diorama base of like, you know, we did Spider-Man and then we had him webbing a guy up to a wall. And that was the diorama. That was the first figure we did, I think. And you could do that for 1999 back in the day. It was more expensive than Toy Biz's uh, Marvel Legends figures were. Um, actually, I think, I think right around the time the first Marvel Legends came out was right around the time the first Marvel Select figures came out. Um, and you could do it with a big diorama. And nowadays to do a big diorama like that is, is less cost is more, it was more cost prohibitive. You can't really, you can't really do a big diorama like that. We're doing some dioramas with like Iceman is going to come with an ice slide. Um, right. uh, I'm trying to think of the other last diorama piece that we did for Marvel select. It, it, nothing's really coming to me. Um, it looks like you have invisible woman coming with her car, a little her, her barrier. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to come with that with like a, a sort of a base that's like start of a force field. And um, but you'll notice there's, you know, the, the other cost is from tooling uh, action figures uh, articulation, because, you know, the more pieces you have, the more tooling is involved, the more molds you need to cut into, um, the more cavities you need to fill. Um, but then also paint applications. So, um, you know, when you see a diorama piece like that, 
it's not a hugely detailed paint scheme for like the uh, invisible woman base or even the Iceman slide. Um, if we had to paint like a guy webbed upside down to a wall, you know, with like garbage on the floor, then you would have um, you would have uh, a lot of different paint applications and it would end up costing a lot more than than something that's a lot more simple. So um, it's a. Uh, it's definitely a balancing act trying to figure out, you know, what's, whether the money's going to go towards articulation, uh, sculpting, um, well, not sculpting, articulation, um, the mass of the item, like the amount of plastic you're using, um, extra parts, um, uh, paint applications. There's, there's, it all has to be a balancing act to get it to the exact right price that we want to offer that because we don't, we don't say, oh, we're going to do this Marvel Select at thirty five dollars instead of thirty dollars. We don't, right. we don't do that. We we try to keep it at the same price point, and then that means you got to give and take and stuff like that. Also, we have um, an articulation um, uh, point that we need to stay at for Marvel Select, just based on our contract that we've been doing since the very beginning. But. Oh, yeah, the we we aren't you know we aren't looking to compete with the with the big superposable lines, um, but um, it does def it definitely um, is something that uh, that we take into consideration when we're designing. So you, when you're never going to see a really really superposable figure from Marvel Select, but we try to give it enough articulation to do everything that it needs to do. No, that makes sense, and that, I appreciate you clarifying that because for me, it's you know when you look at the. The figures again, you know, you can definitely compare and, and understand the differences between the uh, the articulations, but you know, there also is a scale difference too. You know, for the most part, the figures are in the seven inch scale, and yeah. some obviously are even much more in the massive side. But um, the one thing I would say is, like, for example, Human Torch, perfect example of a unique kind of diorama based piece that he comes with, not something yeah. I've seen anybody else do fell in love with that and having he basically for those that aren't familiar he has kind of like a stand that's made out of flames that hooks into his back and allows him to kind of float in place where you know some people will use some of the uh the NECA stands and there's a variety of different stands out there that you can use but like the fact that he comes with one that blends into the figure was very unique and uh you know again it just shows the diversity that the the different brands of the different characters have done so great job on that and i hope that uh there's more consideration for for stuff like that because i feel like he's pretty flexible and you know as far as uh articulation but they all don't need to be especially when um you know i feel like you guys have picked certain characters that just fit um your designs better in my opinion especially like recently hulk uh immortal hulk red hulk uh beta ray bill um, Super Scroll coming, you know, and Apocalypse, of course. But uh, do you guys, do you guys see yourself releasing more in the coming year? Like, obviously, I don't expect you to announce anything, but if you, is there like more in the pipeline that have we haven't seen yet? Besides, like, uh, you know, Invisible Woman, um, Blade, I believe, should be coming in the next couple of months yeah. too, right? Blade, Mister Fantastic, uh, Invisible Woman, Iceman. Um, those are the four we've announced. Super Scroll still hasn't hit, and Apocalypse still hasn't hit. But uh, Apocalypse is starting to trickle out there, and the Scroll is right behind him, I think. Um, but um, we do have a bunch in the works. Um, this is one of the few lines that I that you know they'll occasionally ask me like, what are what I'm seeing that people want to see in the line. So I'll go and look at you know the message boards and the Facebook page, and you know I'll try and figure out. They've done some polls, which makes it a lot easier for us. Um, 
and we'll try and figure out what would be what would make most sense to to do next. So I've I've been involved in some of the discussions for 2024. So I know kind of what's what's tentatively on the development slate. It may swap out, but um, I know that we have a couple more that we haven't even finished for 2023. I'm pretty sure that are still need to be offered. There's um there's one we're going to offer in the next month or two. That's um uh, it's a classic version of a character we've already done, but we've never really done it in the classic classic like appearance. So we're going to do like a really iconic version of a, of a Marvel hero. Um, and that's going to be offered pretty soon. And we've got more X-Men coming up. Everybody likes our X-Men team, uh, which is one of the teams we built most over the years. Um, and as uh, so we've got another X-Men coming after apocalypse um, and Iceman. Awesome. So, um, so uh, those are both on the slate, I think for late 2023, I'm pretty sure. And then, um, and then we then we get then we get started working on 2024. I mean, we've already started uh, 2D artwork on 2024. We've got another armored character coming up too. I'm a big Iron Man fan, so um, I'm excited to do another Iron Man villain, uh, which will be very cool. Sweet, awesome. So, from a marketing perspective, um, toys are such a so uniquely posed, um, no pun intended, to fit audiences that truly range all the way across i mean the whole spectrum so how do you how do you focus marketing for something so uniquely positioned to cater to kids and adults from casual collectors and people that just want to play with them and serious collectors that are like hey this is going to stay in the box and never come out like for, for marketing how do you how do you walk that tightrope um it is tricky uh we um you know we sell primarily to comic book shops uh, and specialty toy stores, um, especially with a Marvel Select line, which is exclusively to specialty market. Um, but um, uh, you know, when we're selling action figures, you know, they're they're generally consi considered for I think ages. I think we do ages eight and up on the uh, on the Marvel Select action figures because they're generally, you know, they can be fragile if they're dropped, you know, from a, from a height, and um, you know, because there are either really massive parts that can put a lot of strain on the joints or there are really thin parts that can just have very thin joints. Um, so, I mean, there, uh, there are, they're not ideally for little kids, but there are plenty of, you know, adults who are into these toys or find them at a Disney store, for instance, and, you know, and, and pick them up for a, a younger kid, which is fine, which is great. Um, and, you know, if they have serious problems with it, then we'll, we'll help them out with customer service. But, um, it's uh it's definitely a trick to market them, especially the Marvel Select line, which you know we are you know we're in competition with a, a much bigger Marvel Legends line. Um, it's not competition; we really supplement it in a lot of ways, but um, we're complemented. But um, it's hard to explain um, exactly how we handle you know like advertising stuff like that. We don't do a lot of like mainstream advertising. Um, we'll do some swap ads in like. Uh, you know, Archie Comics will do some stuff there. We do a lot of web advertising on Facebook and other places. Um, uh, we're getting big on Instagram. Um, uh, got some pretty good followings there. So we do a lot of, we really don't market it to most of our stuff to little kids, except for, you know, I'll put mini mates in those Archie Comics, you know, whenever I can. Um, okay. Just because they're very, they're, they're kid, they're kid friendly. You know, there's, they're a lot, lot uh, more cartoony. They're, um, they're interchangeable. We have Ninja Turtles. We have, um, you know, GI Joe and transformers and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm not going to advertise statues there uh, or anything right. like that, but for the, for the most part, we market to um, adult collectors, um, you know, which is, um, which is a pretty narrow focus, but you know, if we can catch, 
you know, casual collectors as well, um, you know, by having them on the stands in different places, uh, stores like um, like uh, Barnes and Noble or a uh, GameStop or something like that, then then that's that's really the best way to advertise is to actually get them into the places where these people are going to be. So mm -hmm. um, so in reality, so really advertising is all about selling them to the right retailers um, and getting them to the places that we think that there will be an audience that will respond to them. OK, um, so kind of a <laughs> kind of a, a weak answer, but um, no, but, uh, no, but, it makes uh, sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it means I should be doing more, you know, in terms of marketing than I do. But uh, I, I do chalk a lot of our marketing up to sales and placement. Um, and, you know, and once it's there, we try to let everybody know it's there. Um, but um, but in terms of getting casual fans, you know, aside from social media marketing, um, it's really a um, put it in front of the eyes and, and hopefully they they react to it. OK, cool. No, yeah, that's that's a great answer. That's exactly what I was what I was wondering was if it was more more marketing driven or more, hey, put it out there and make sure that it's seen and then let the sales happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure um, I'm sure if we had a larger budget for 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 marketing, we're, we're still a pretty small company. I mean, we have a lot of different licenses and we make a lot of different kinds of products, but we're not Hasbro. We're not Mattel. So, I mean, you know, the amount of advertising, you know, we the amount of money that we have for advertising is you know relatively small compared to what they do. Um, um, but even then, how many ads do you see for, say, you know, Marvel Legends, you know, in a magazine or in a. You know, I, I, they don't advertise toys on television anymore, really, except for, uh, you know, uh, Monster High dolls or uh, or, you know, the little food that you can find in little tiny pouches and stuff like that. Um, social media. It's pretty much all yeah, social, social, media. social media is where it is. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, other forms of advertising can be very cost prohibitive, um, especially for a smaller company like us. Um, but we uh, we do our best uh, with what we have. And um, I think. um I think we've done a good job holding our own, at least for the past. The company's been around since 1999, so we've been doing it for for 25 years almost. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's challenging. It's definitely a challenge uh, when you're a small company and you want to, you know, sell a product that is that has a potentially wide appeal, but um, but the core audience is a very narrow focus. Yeah, if that makes sense. I does totally. No, it's appreciated. I mean, for me, I think uh, you're doing a great job and I see something that you guys do too with it, which is like connecting with content creators like us and, uh, you know, potentially have them help with reveals and things like that. Twitter is very active when it comes to, you know, action figure reveals. Paternia is a social media guy that everybody follows that as soon as he sees somebody post it, he gets it out there. And, you know, that's a lot of times when, if I don't get to, you know, see your PR email before they put it out there, sometimes that'll happen and I'll see it from somebody like him. Like that's when I found out about uh, Invisible Woman. And so it's getting out there, which is great, you know, and I think that uh, people are speaking much more about them than, than I've seen in, in previous years. So, you know, I hope it uh, continues to grow the business for you. Yeah, yeah even... there's uh, there's stories going around about um making this circuit on media about adult collectors. I'm sorry, Tyler, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, that's exactly what I was going to say is even as somebody outside of, of the collecting realm, I see the collectors helping collectors hashtag all the time and not just from Benny, from other people in, in the video game community. That's like, Hey, I don't necessarily collect toys, 
but I know that people do. And I'm familiar enough that I know that maybe this figure or this line is kind of tough to get. So they'll post it on Twitter. Hey, I'm at Walmart in, uh, you know, New Orleans. And I know there's this toy that people like hashtag collectors helping collectors. And there's 35 responses like, Oh my God. Yeah. I've been looking for that everywhere. I live in Minnesota. I can't find that. Can someone help me out? And then they'll, they'll do an exchange right there on Twitter. They'll be like, okay, yeah, I bought it and I'll, I'll get it shipped to you. And it's like, man, wow. that's just, that's so cool to see the way that the community rallies around that kind of thing. And I don't see that in other lines of of collecting and other lines of fandom really 100 percent. no it's definitely uh it's definitely a very i mean you get complaints about scalping you get complaints about uh you know people snagging something off the peg right before you were able to get there and you know but um but for the most part toy collectors are pretty you know friendly group of people i mean the minimate community in particular is a very very great friendly group of uh collectors but um and I interact with them a lot on, on the Minimate Multiverse message boards and uh, on their Facebook page too. But um, but no, act, toy collectors are you know they may not be as they may not be as happy with the companies that are producing this stuff. But when it comes to other collectors, then they're always you know trying to give out give each other the best information. Say hey, you know this is why you should get this figure. This is why you shouldn't get this figure. Um, it's very very um, it's very helpful helpful community. Um, I haven't even been privy to some of the stuff you were talking about, Tyler, with the people, the collectors helping collectors. I've, I haven't seen as much of that, but um, I know that the the media is starting to take notice of adult collectors um, as if they're just appearing for the first time. And uh, <laughs> right, um, we're, we're and taking that, over. That's pretty much what's happening. Yeah. My wife heard something on the on NPR today, and I'm like, I I'm very curious to hear that because somebody somebody was circulating a meme on Instagram about kid adults. Somebody had used the yeah. term kid adults to describe kids who are collect adults who are collecting toys. And uh, they took it. They took it very, uh, very personal. Um, but uh, you know, if it, um, it's, uh, it's with the with this new age of mainstream superhero movies, it's definitely made toy collecting more, more potentially widespread. Uh, yeah. As we, it, both actually widespread, but also, you know, the the potential for someone to want to go out and buy an action figure is now greater than it ever has been because of the number of the number of people who are watching these movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, these blockbuster movies, think about back in the nineties when superhero movies were like, you know, they do okay. They do good. But you know, a lot of them were like little niche films, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, Rocketeer was, well, I don't I, even think Rocketeer did gangbusters when it came it out. Did not, nope. Um, but, uh, and, and also there wasn't a lot of collectibles for that sort of stuff back then. It was, right. it was, you know, you had Batman you know, 89. It, that was like yeah. the big, the peak. Where, yeah. You know, they started jumping out with the figures and then they were like, that's when toy biz, was coming into the Marvel yeah. realm as well. And then in the 90s, uh, well, the, actually it was really the 2000s, they started doing, um, they would do a toy line for every genre movie, animated or not animated, that came out. They would do a full toy line. And I think once they realized that a movie could come out and do terrible, and then they nobody would buy their action figures, then they kind of toned, pulled back a little bit. They stopped doing right. toys for every single movie that came out. And then... Uh, it got into TV where they, they, you had to see that. It, well, back in the 70s and 80s, it was, if, a show had, if a show was on the air and you knew it was going to be airing for a period of time, that's when you did the toy line. And uh, right. and now it's sort of a mix. But um, but for a while it was toys and then for a while it was movies. And then and now it's just um, you never know what they're going to decide to make toys on next. The, the, yeah. Some really random stuff comes out of the out of the wind. Very true. Awesome. 
Well, I think this was awesome. <laughs> I said it 10 times. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> no, but really, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. And we hope that you had fun. And uh, we hope to see lots more great, great news coming from Diamond. And uh, hopefully I'll get to see you at the Toy Fair in September. And yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll connect again. And as always, you know, when I have new uh, collectibles to discuss, you guys will see that coverage as well. But uh, Tyler, did you have anything else? No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was really awesome to get to talk to you. And I, I've mentioned it several times now, but this is kind of outside of my typical wheelhouse. Um, you know, this is much more Benny's side of things. So it's been really cool to listen to you guys talk and and learn a lot more about um, the business and everything else like that. So thank you very much for coming on. It's been awesome, as Benny said. Oh. Yeah, thank you for having me. No, it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Zach, you want to leave us with any any other words? Uh, well, I mean, if you're interested in seeing more of what we do, uh, you can follow Collect DST on uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, and we're Diamonds Like Toys on Facebook. Um, I think uh, we have a TikTok as well. Um, Gentle Giant Limited is our Star Wars division where we do like the busts and statues. And so Gentle Giant LTD, you can find on all those different places. And I'm at Zach Oat, Z A C H O A T, on uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok. So um, you can see some of my toy photography there if you like. And uh, yeah. That's where you can find us. Cool. Awesome. We'll uh, we'll also get all those links and they'll be in the descriptions, um, both on YouTube. And I think the links show up on Spotify now. I'm not sure. I'll have to verify that, but I will have them embedded. So you'll be able to check all that out in the descriptions. Sounds Excellent. good. Thank you. Well, I hope everybody has a great day and thanks for the time again. Talk Thank to you guys, guys soon. Yep. Bye. See ya. Bye.